we're back. Welcome to the Friendly Geordie's podcast where... Oh, fuck, I'm going to take the camera off of you, Jordan. Oh, wait, no, that's on you. Probably a good point. Dude, just the let him. segment is... Why childish Gambino sucks. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> what a troll. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you hadn't tuned in last week. And he's vaping in his fucking chair. It's <laughs> so fucking perfect. Triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered guitars. Fuck. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, we got some hate so for good. our childish Gambino take last week, and we're not uh, we're not retracting. We no, we're not retracting it. We and, stick and by every word, even though we kind of didn't know what the story was about. But no, still. yeah. Why do they get so crazy? Opinion. I was the one saying he's right. I'm like, yeah, Hollywood is shit. No, well, it's, it's because we anyway we don't want to talk about it, but. It no, but everyone's point was he wasn't talking about cancelling for best JW stuff. He was talking about shows getting cancelled. Yeah, that's what happens when they rate low. And that's yeah. also yeah. not that's true. What? It's also not the, what he was saying. Uh, but can it? we... No, saying it's we are not talking about this again. Okay, okay. <laughs> no one knows anything about Childish Gambino on this, on this podcast. Okay, first segment, Jordan. Uh, thoughts on the Hunter by election? Because Look, I've been... Uh, I don't know a lot about New South Wales... Uh, <coughs> politics, <Jesus. laughs> let's just say. But um, uh, what I saw was the Nationals saying that this is our return <coughs> to the main stage, and uh, <laughs> and Joel Fitzgibbon has threatened to quit unless Labor mends his ways, which personally made me really disheartened because I was like, what he's essentially saying is, unless you destroy the planet, I'm quitting. No, Ali, Sorry. you have read way too many ABC articles. Okay, so give give me give me like uh, what what am I getting wrong? <laughs> so Fitzgibbon should, if he wants to retain that seat, he should probably run as an independent. Which he, he won't retain the seat anyway because you'll have the stink of Labor, and that's because you can't get one past the Hunter Valley. They understand who's a cuck and who isn't, and clearly Joel Fitzgibbon is. But he's he's out. He's not going to win that next election. It's not a Labour seat anymore. It's a one nation nationals kind of seat. But what then re- why, is the, why is everyone making a big deal about the fact that uh, Labour lost that seat when it's not even supposed to be a seat that Labour is contending for? Because that's what the press do. They were saying it's just a real mark on Jodie McKay's leadership that she can't win a seat that they haven't won in the last hundred years. That was her final bastion and now she's going to have to go. Um, we report on her so little that we misspelled her name in most of the articles. It's the same little trick that they pull every time, which is, what, they didn't win a miracle by-election? Well, questions of leadership. Meanwhile, we did a video exposing the... There was somebody who is accused of child rape that was Iberogically in staff that was parachuted, obviously, into another government job for six months, got 250 grand. No reporting on that at all. When there was wall-to-wall coverage of Jodie McKay... I can't even remember it now, but it was just so contrived. She was accused of being a pedo-pleaser because somebody in her electorate you know, may or may not have uh, done something pedophilic. And somehow that's Jodie McKay's fault and she gets hounded by it in the press. And completely defamatory, the whole Wait, thing. Wait, why is she hounded by it? She, the guy's not even from a party. Yeah, because that's what the press do. And I don't think that there is any chance of them winning the next election, and I'll tell you why. It's because Nine Fairfax is the silent Murdoch in this country. And I was listening to Malcolm Turnbull's, uh, you know, like, testimony 
in the uh, Murdoch Senate hearing. You know what he was saying? They were grilling him on the fact that he okayed the merger between Nine and Fairfax, which just consolidated 50% of the media into Costello's hands. You know what his point to that was? Yes, but I, that was a good merger because the, the press favours me. That's what you need to know about the divide of press in this country. It's just that the Murdoch press would prefer someone like Dutton being in charge, while the Fair, Nine Fairfax press would pr prefer someone like Malcolm Turnbull being in charge. That's the real difference now. And both of them are vehemently against the Labor Party. When you had 2GB sort of separate in that it was Fairfax and they were dying, so they just needed ratings. If you won the ear of Hadley and Jones, you could win as Premier. That's what Bob Carr did. That's how he was Premier for over a decade. Um, now, there is no path. By the way, it. who is a king? Just wanted to add that. Who? Which one? Bob Carr. Yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah. massive fan of him. I saw him live once. I've oh, been a groupie God. ever since. Well, let's. Oh, I say he's that he's not really a king. He's a premier. Well, but yeah, and also like when I see when I say I saw him live, not a rock concert, like literally one of those talks <laughs> where there were 15 other people in the audience. <laughs> but still, man, he, he like really wooed me. Mm. He's a very intelligent man. But sorry, besides the point, I've mm. got two mm. questions for you. But miss, dig, if you want to dig go this, first. dig this. Mm. What's press backwards? Serp. Serpent. Illuminati, man. Damn. Boom. Boom. And Illuminati. People wanted to see the Dome Serpent. King, didn't they? Yeah, fuck that. Next I need level. A, that Next man. generation. That's what Dome King also did. Yeah, yeah of doing that. Did. Serpent. Or possibly usurp. Usurper, usurper, usurper. Are you ready to get your mind blown? This was the one time that he was on the podcast. Why you think they call it spelling? Cause it's a spell. <laughs> spelling. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I remember that. No, he's you right. We do need to spelling. replace this up with the joke. You can't replace him. He's the king for a reason. So, yeah. So spelling's evil. It's yeah. just the, the height of evil. Yeah. Hey, I came to that press thing under my own. I just thought of that myself, but lad. <laughs> well, well, that was genius. Another flurry of high <laughs> <laughs> No, I just wanted to give you one of these ones. Just so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> do but you I concur? Just, I, oh, I, you missed. Yeah, good, good on you. Get great comic relief, thanks, miss. <laughs> comic? No, there's nothing comic about <laughs> that. You, what, what? I've, got, uh, I've got two questions. <clears throat> First question, you answer them in that order. Number one, is there a way for the Labour Party to get into power advocating for some action on climate change. And before you answer that second question, look, okay, the press is really uh, mean and everything towards Jody McKay, but the polling shows that it is pretty terrible. How can New South Wales Labour actually win? Is I don't think that they can win. I think that they've... I've never seen them flurry over a politician like Gladys Berejiklian. I've never seen somebody who gets such positive press as her. Um, the second point is, who are they going to replace Jody McKay with? No one knows any state Labor politicians apart from me. I think I know a couple of but them. But you know the inner workings. Is there, Look, we're not saying, look, we like Jody McKay, but is there anyone over there that you think has the chops, as they say? I think Daly was given a hard run because 
pretty much Labor just chucked him out in the last six months and said, okay, you're the leader now. No one knows who you are. Oh, everyone thinks you're a racist and you lost. What the hell was that? That was clearly your fault. <laughs> I think that Daly actually could do a lot better in that he's very good at prosecuting a case. He's a pistol. He was a real disciple of Keating. He knows how to hold them to account in Parliament. But it's my same point as the stand-up show. If you don't have the press on your side, you can't win. Doesn't matter who the person is. Doesn't matter who the person is. Yeah. Okay. uh, Hey, come see it. Live. Yeah, come see Jordan show live. But uh, in the first point, is there... What I'm basically asking is, is the roadmap to a national labor victory trying to hide your position on climate change? Well, it definitely did lose them the last election. Climate change did? I thought it was the franking credits. <laughs> that was the overall theme that lost them seats, I suppose, that they should have gained in New South Wales and Western Australia. But what really killed it for them in Queensland was that Greens organised big rally about Adarno a week before the election. Uh, if you go and talk to the Labor analysts, they'll be saying that's the thing that really killed us in Queensland because that is exactly what the press wanted. They wanted something that is known as a wedge issue where the Murdoch press could go, oh, my God, they're not doing enough on Adani and ABC. They love Adani. So either way, they're hemorrhaging votes. That's why they got absolutely trounced in Queensland. So I think Fitzgibbon is right in that regard, but... I also think that Albanese's right in the hey, you just suck up to Murdoch a little more. Don't worry about it. You reckon? Would Albert that can do? Take it. It. Albert can take it for sure. Again, I think that we're all putting too much importance on who is the leader. Uh, in my stand-up show, as I say, Kevin Rudd was an anomaly, but I honestly think that Kevin Rudd, given this media environment, would not be able to take it. The only way that you can win is if Murdoch decides that he wants to back Labor and there are signs that he's thinking about it. Even with the climate change issue? What do you mean? Like, would he still go for Labor if Labor was still talking about, you know, um, closing down coal plants? It just depends what weighs up on his business interests better. And the other thing is that Murdoch isn't particularly happy with Scott Morrison. Again, he would prefer that Dutton's in. And it's far easier to get Dutton in from opposition leader because all he has to do is do an Abbott thing of, they suck, they just suck, don't they, for three years. So he can win from there. But it's really hard to replace Dutton with Scott Morrison because, first off, he creates a huge rift within the Liberal Party. But the second point is that he's just not a sellable. I'm still, I still don't understand how to reconcile with the fact that we all know that this is an issue, but like recently I've just been understanding the magnitude of this, that Australia or like a lot of our business interests are, are trying really hard to resist action on climate change as much as possible. On the other hand, the world has recognized how we're basically moving towards a disaster. So I just don't know how we can sort of reconcile with this dilemma that like the fact that you don't get votes in the hunter by election because you're trying to close a coal plant where that needs to be done like there's no two ways about it how could you keep on this coal journey when you know that the world has moved on and not only the world has moved on but we're looking at an existential crisis like it's it's so disheartening in a way wait a second is this the guy that um uh, Jody McKay was 
he he was a lay he was running for Labor, but he was like, oh, I'm not anti coal, I am a coal miner, but you know, still vote Labor. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah. Did he lose? Yeah. Thought it was a shoo in. He said he liked coal and he was an ex coal miner. Mm. What the fuck? What do you want? He's pro coal for fuck's sake. This is the amazing thing. This is just like the Nationals are back. Why? Because we won a seat. We should have won. That's their argument. I just think. Wait that- a sec. But but. <clears throat> okay, so basically. The tactic was Labor's put in a coal miner who's pro-coal, and everyone's like, yeah, I see through your plan. I can sniff you out. You what? only kind of like think, coal. What? You don't like it as much as me. I like it more. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fair analysis. That's okay. much better than anything the ABC has been saying. About. <laughs> Look, Labor, I think it's also... Because it worked well, on they didn't, they didn't vote Liberal. They voted Nationals. Basically, they're kind of pissed off about that coal plant being closed down and it was a big coal plant but on the but other hand a, what option do we have like i don't understand but the, you, uh, what labor what look my rational mind thinks that okay i understand how this is an issue what you could try and do is that you could try and set up apprenticeships for the new energy uh <coughs> system that we're moving towards and labor already did that that's their election promise i don't know what else you can do like we what we can do is we can switch your jobs but your job is literally destroying our even, planet. It's not even that. <clears throat> if Labor got in, they wouldn't have just nothing. I don't. I, I would honestly think not much would have changed. They would have been like, in terms of coal, they would have been like, we're going to start to look at new channels in terms of like putting a little bit more money, diverting some money from coal into renewables. You won't fucking notice. Maybe in fifty years you'll notice, but you'll be thanking us then. There is. It's not that radical. No. Plus, it won me over. I saw him being like, oh, I'm a coal miner. I'm like, man, go for the fucking... Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. What more do you people want? Uh, but honestly... I don't think that there is anything. I think it's just that they are rusted on national voters. Yeah. And they're just going to vote national. Right. Do you think about the, the next general specifics? elections, there is any possibility that that seat could go away from the nationals? Clearly no. not. Christ, no. There's but no way. Is that, is, that, is that even important? Can we still win? <clears throat> Yes, but the press would not have to make an issue of climate change. Uh, they would have to be focusing on something else, and they know that that is an Achilles heel for the Labor Party, so they probably won't. Um, I don't know what Scott Morrison is going to run on because in the eyes of the public, he's actually quite weak on COVID. And if he does run on COVID, it would be easy for the Labor Party to just point out how deplorable his record is. So they might actually just run purely on climate change. Of They're taking your jobs. How many jobs did you destroy in the last term? I, mean, I have a feeling that he's not going to run on either of those. I think he's going to run on um, the same <laughs> thing that Malcolm ran on, which is... Jobs and growth. Jobs and growth, <laughs> the economy. Jobs and I fixed, growth. Uh, it was, we were heading towards a crisis. There would have been mass unemployment. I made sure that that didn't happen. And you can see the results. This is what he's going to say. And the economy is now booming. Mm. I well, you know what, what I honestly think is the way that Labor wins the next election. And I think that all the people that are constantly saying to me, how do I get my liberal voting parents to vote Labor? It's not going to happen. What you do instead 
if you have liberal voting parents, you just pull the old thing of uh, they're putting Greens up high. It's a, it's a Greens liberal coalition, so they might vote for an independent, which takes some of the pressure off the Labor Party. That's the best tact to go for your liberal voting parents. But I think the other thing is you're thinking too small. There's so many people that just don't care. What I want from every one of my subscribers is for them to convince one person to vote Labor. Just one. That's the election one. If you cross over 500,000 people to the Labor Party... True, dude. You've won. Yeah, and but so, I, and the whole thing is that most of the time, the reason that the Liberals win is because just no one cares about the upcoming election. And so they just go, and just chuck in whatever. Is that true? I'm Look, man, we were listening to Talkback Radio when we were in, um, I don't know where the fuck we were, driving between Lismore to um, no, no, Gold Coast. To, oh, my bad. And... You, you heard what the opinion is. What the fuck am I talking about? They are... It's going to be hard convincing these people. They are very hell-bent on some of their ideas. Well, what I think from listening to that is... And this is a genius tactic, and we've got to start employing it. That's how Trump won in 2016. He just listened to talkback radio for a week and started speaking about not what the polls were saying, what the people were actually saying on TalkBack. That's how Howard was in for 12 years as well. He credits it to the fact that he never paid attention to the polls. He used to just walk around in malls and feel how many people were avoiding eye contact with him. <laughs> it is and a shame that there's no pink sprinkles left at the Donut King shop. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to the Still, bottom of it. They do a good service, though, and they are a small business. So, so I'll, I'll stick to the chocolate sprinkles, but I have my reservations. Here's a silver lining, though. <laughs> Here's one silver lining, which I think might help you. Um, did you check out the results of this ABC survey? They did, like, the survey asking people. I even did the survey, and, like, a whole host of... But the, the things that are important is that most Australians, by an overwhelming majority of them, believe these two things. One, that if a politician lies, they should be kicked out, irrespective of the context. Second, that there needs to be a very strong corruption watchdog on politicians. So, people care about corruption. Man. Yeah, they do. And I think that permeates through. So, if we can convince them that the Liberal Party is more corrupt... Yeah, look, this is Wait what I'm sec. saying to my audience. Wait a sec, what a sec. Can you make a video that tailors to my friend? No, I can't. <laughs> I've given you all the information you need to convince your friend. You have to use your own words to convince them. Mm. But I think that, as always, it's just because you are in a passionate argument with a Liberal voter. But you just have to remember that their primary vote is not really higher than the Labor Party's. The... the Press, obviously, is always focusing on the fact that uh, Labor's primary vote is down. Yeah, but they need the Nationals and the Liberals to get into power. Uh, they really have about 30% of the population, like Labor has about 30% of the population in their pocket. You are trying to aim for that 40%. That's it. And like I'm saying in the stand-up show, every time public interest goes over 40% in an upcoming election, the Labor Party wins. So all you have to do is just inform a couple of your dead shit friends. That's it. What the press hasn't mentioned is that this was National's lowest first preference vote ever in the upper house. Lit boy daddy do says. <laughs> yeah, lit boy what daddy What a source. This <laughs> is a sick source. What do you say to that? I say lit boy daddy do is lit. Yeah, but that's good news. I guess that's good news. Well, yeah. look, 
all of those little finicky things of, uh, you know, the vote's down, like, uh, it doesn't matter, they won. A win's a win. They're true. Um, but how do we also convince people of this? That, look, on one hand, you look at, like, uh, the, the whole climate change issue as, oh, we have a lot of coal. If the if world moves towards renewable energy, then we're not going to be able to export that coal and we'll be poor. But you know what is also true? All of the minerals required to fuel this new renewable revolution, they all are in Australia. Homegrown. So we all, like the Sunflowers. future is amazing. Like we, once again, we're the lucky country, <laughs> even in this context. So how do we convince people that the future is bright? I don't think that you can convince, you can convince people that listen to this podcast that because they already believe that, but you're not going to convince people that Wait, don't Wait a second, I'm not that. bloody convinced. What are you talking about? Well, like, most- let's just think about this <laughs> into like your, uh, your, your mate Gus, and I'm a huge fan of Gus. He's one of my most favorite people on earth. He's legend. a very sweet man. Yeah, legend. He's seen two of my shows now and come out being like, yeah, yeah, give the bastards hell. Who are you voting in the next election? Well, liberals, obviously. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know so that. I haven't asked him. That's not necessarily true. But but it's more likely that that's going to happen, right? So I don't think that you should be convincing those people. You shouldn't. I think the exact opposite of what you think, Ali, which is that you should just be talking about climate change. I think that you shouldn't talk about it at all. I think that you should be focusing on what people already believe. You find what people think and then you tailor the message to what they think, which is they don't like corruption. I mean, look, New South Wales Liberals are a mafia. We have so many videos available of their corruption in extensive, irrefutable detail. You can just inundate the people with that. Another one that we saw that people just kept ringing up over and over about, and I think this trumps tax, migration. The Liberals' uh, record on migration is atrocious. They doubled it, and then they halved infrastructure. That's all you have to say to anyone that ever says to you, oh, migration is just going crazy. Liberals doubled it, they halved migration. No, you want to vote for that? Oh, sorry, so they halved infrastructure. Yeah, well, that's what you should be talking to them about. Don't talk. To, don't talk to someone who is a coal miner about. No, you'll get a better job in renewables. Yeah, and that's kind they're of they're not fair going to think that. Huh? To say like that's not even a tactic. It's like kind of, you know. I mean, you're not lying. You're just like not. Look, man. Whatever. But that's what the press does. This is what you have to understand. The press is not giving you the facts. They are focusing your attention on an issue, an issue that they think serves their masters. And because that's all they talk about, that becomes the issue. You just have to draw that person's focus away to what they care about and show them because on every single metric that you could possibly choose, anything that that person cares about, the Labor Party is going to have a much better record on it. They care about jobs. They care about migration. They care about growth. They care about, I don't know, nurses, whatever. <coughs> If you do care about that, frankly, I think that like arts and <laughs> <laughs> nurses first thing to go. Arts and nurses need to go. All right. Um, well, look, I'm I'm on board, man. If you don't if you don't want if you don't want me to talk about climate change, I will not because I genuinely think I don't know how to stress this enough that we are at like a very critical point, and it needs to be said that we need labor to be guiding. Well, this let's be honest, like we're liberals not- are. We're not running the world. The, the fact that Biden is, I think... Well, we are running Australia and... Yeah, look, the globally. world isn't... No, but globally too. Like, <clears throat> Australia is in a position that it needs to make, like, really 
critical strategic decisions that would affect it's, uh, the world. I'm just saying it's good that daddy's gone the right way, dude. Well, what do you mean, daddy? Biden. Oh, Biden. Is steering yeah, in the Yeah, look, right no, Biden's all right, but like I'm talking about But that's about what Australia. I'm saying. I'm like I actually am happy about the direction that climate action is taken globally now. I think that that problem has more or less solved itself. My issue, and always has been with Australia, is that we are missing out on the greatest economic opportunity in our history, arguably. in Well, at least at the turn of the century, because like with the previous fuel source, which was coal, we had 500 years worth of it that we could supply the entire world supply with. That was the 20th century energy source. And in the 21st century energy source, we could do the exact same thing. Well, I've got some good news for you on that. The private sector knows that, and they are doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know I know a friend of mine who works for like one of the biggest uh, coal companies in Australia, and he was saying that they are hemorrhaging inf- uh, investment in coal, and they're putting it in other renewables and mining off other um, things like lithium and stuff that's going to be required for the green revolution. Look, lithium. I'm really batteries. Yeah, for batteries and shit. It's just going to solve itself that problem. Uh, having said that, market. my next stand-up show is all about the huge economic potential of renewables. So I don't know why I did that now. I just got obsessed with it two years ago because of COVID. It's mm. just bad timing. But I'll still be doing that show because I can't be fucked to write another one. <laughs> but I think that you should only be listening to that to enforce your own opinions. But I think that you should not be trying to put that onto anybody else. Right, uh, I'll, I'll Biden did not run on that. Biden, his entire thing was, hey... No one was talking about wrestling the soul of America back until that, that was me, Jack. I was talking about America's soul. <laughs> yeah, I get. Look, whatever, whatever works. I'm yeah, on whatever board. works. Yeah, I'm on. Board. I have no issues with like there just needs to be soul. said. I'm not a Greens voter, so it's fine. But yeah, I just think that it's it's okay now. Okay, that that really did cheer me up and because you know I was what? very I depressed think that yesterday. The US have been making measures that will be irreversible. They have kind of put their economy in a place where it doesn't really matter if a Republican wins the next election. It doesn't matter if they win the next election after that either. Uh, the US will be meeting their targets because... Really? When it comes to renewables, really all you need is investment. And if you just get four solid years of that, the private sector can pick up after that. Right, yeah. Yeah? Shit, right. man. He's well, just his shit. He, well, <laughs> that's what he does for a living. True. So You're pretty expect, good. He's an authority on this stuff. You'd be yeah, reading your yeah, SBS boy. Vice. I yeah. see. <laughs> Vice News. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. You're, fuck. Why not me? I'm just kidding. He okay. reads Michael Should Weston. we move on to our next segment? Unless there is something else that you want to add to this. I think you've been pretty comprehensive, but... What other... I have a question. So yeah, lithium, what else? What else is, what have we got? That's Man, good? there's so much stuff that it's all really scientific and technical that I can't know. But what I do know is that all the minerals that are going to be required, <coughs> we've got them here. Really? And like, there's a few other countries that also have them. But we have very large deposits okay. of them as well. And I'll add this. If you want to talk about environmental matters, when it comes to Australia, you should be talking about conservation. I think just forget about climate change entirely and shift it to the mass spatial extinction and the huge amounts of land clearing. That is true. Yeah. That does get like a lot that's of... that's not politicised like climate change is. True. True. I've been Actually, the Nationals reading. are facing a lot of backlash because... Um, uh, recently, uh, in in actually where you kind of grew up around Coffs Harbour, 
there's um they're basically saying that you, what's the act uh, the the habitation the protection act they're saying that it does not apply to certain national reserves over there and they need it for logging and they're getting huge opposition from like just the people around there yeah like, and they steal one oh they want shit i don't know Bizarre. Uh, well, I don't know, but like you are right. There is uh, it it permeates through party lines. People wanting to conserve the environment. Yeah, mm. and I think that look as we proved with causing the koala wars last year, this is an environmental issue that the liberals are weak on. Mm. Uh, if you are able to get enough coverage on these two things: water corruption and land clearing, that's an environmental issue that you could probably get more people around. And that serves climate change anyway. You know what's really good for fighting climate change? Trees. Dude, mm. and also ecotourism is how much of an industry every year? It's 20 billion just in New South Wales. Stick just that in, in your South pipe Wales. and smoke it. Mm. And plus like... As opposed to the, what, 2 billion we get in mining royalties? That's great. That's, Actually that's less. Crazy. <laughs> Apparently uh, there was this new Independent Australia article that the stick forwarded to me which said that um, the mining industry has been overstating the amount of taxes that they've been paying. Mm-hmm. We really like have a close chance. Close to 40%. I feel like we really do have a chance as a, as a planet to, to shift to this sort of like, uh, you know, utopian paradise where the main currency, <laughs> the, main, the main sort of economy is run on ecotourism. So everyone going to each other's countries. I mean, it ha- it's growing. It, I mean, obviously COVID put us stop to that but like once it <clears throat> ramps up again just different countries traveling to different countries learning about their like indigenous forests and their awesome like landscapes and like sort of you know you can go to disneyland but not all the time and then we just go together and everyone uh learns how to make salami as well along the way it's just such a better look when i went to america last time i spent Half of it in Disneyland, and I spent half of it in the Caribbean feeding turtles. I enjoyed feeding turtles more. Yeah, I, dude. And a billion-dollar ride yeah. that I had to line up for for three hours, as opposed to just going down there and just being like, hey, you want some squid, Skip? This guy's name's Skip. He's a treasure hunter. <laughs> so much so better. So much better. You didn't have to go on the treasure ride, the pirate ride. You met a real-life pirate. Pirate. Also, I don't know about you guys, but have you been to a theme park recently? I get real dizzy now. <laughs> I still I'm, love I'm becoming Look, a I, boomer. Like I went on. Um, well, let's be honest. You have been smoking for a long time. <laughs> you I did love, try and breathe I do love a full coast. breath just before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do love roller coasters. <laughs> give me, give me that vape. You, you shouldn't um, be touching this. <laughs> but like, dude, I know it's very like, where the bloody hell are you? Of me to say this, but. Swimming with a turtle in Bali that I just found on my own is one hey, of the I did that at the Great Barrier life. Reef. You did that? Swam with the turtle. I went scuba diving ha- and, and I met a, a giant turtle. It's amazing. Was it giant it? or was it about the size of your torso? Uh, probably the size of my torso. That's giant. What do you want about? No, no. There's turtles what? are like three <laughs> meters long. Yeah, yeah, they can. Oh, yeah, but those true. are like in Galapagos. No. That's not near the Great Barrier <laughs> Reef. I don't think they're around anymore, dude. No, no, they yeah, are. Actually, enough. this yeah, one probably turtle. Just like, you know, we really should go see a giant wombat guy. <laughs> <laughs> in that chair. Just, yes, yes, Mr. Jimmy. Wheel him out here. But Mr. Jimmy exists. Giant turtles still exist. Have you got his uh, punching bag? Yes, we do. There's just a clown with ScoMo space. He's like, he's got Charlotte. Pee-hee. Pee-hee. All right, he's going to be sleeping tonight. Pee-hee. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Christopher Reeves. Uh, but it so was Christopher Reeves. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> I want to watch my cousin on who. Uh, what's that one called? With the cases? Uh, deal or no deal. <laughs> oh, deal or no deal. Jordan, that's not on anymore. Well, can we watch reruns? Yeah, yeah put the tap in. The chase. Yeah, what happened to that? Poor Andrew. Huh? Oh, I now remember what happened. <laughs> there you go, there you Let's skip that one. I like that show. Um, Do you? I like Deal I like Deal or No Deal way more than The Chase. No, no, no. Oh, you, yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Well, as long as we got the rig. Absolutely. We're down to the nitty gritty. Okay, perfect. So sh- can we move on to the next segment? And this one is going to get me into a <laughs> lot of trouble. Hey. Great. Be careful. Stop it. Don't smoke that shit anymore. Dude, don't inhale it. It's, it's strong. No, I did the cigar thing. That's what makes you cough. Okay. Oh, yeah, true, true. I put it in my mouth to taste the fruit. Well, that's what I Anyway, do. we're going to stop talking about vapes because okay. I think it's still illegal. But, okay, <laughs> it, he, um, the next segment is about uh, the news that came today. The Belarus government hijacked a plane to get a dissident. Now, before we get into this segment, I want to first give a trigger warning and also want to make one thing very, very clear. I am not on board with hijacking. I am not on board with dictatorial governments putting oppositions <coughs> and dissidents in jail. So all of that stuff, in my opinion, bad, not good. Cuck. Jesus. <laughs> However, Let's put fuck. that hat back on. What you guys <sighs> need is a little bit of context into what the fuck is going on in Belarus. Let's start with where the fuck is Belarus. Good question. That's actually one of the most important reasons why this context is required. So Belarus is a landlocked country in Eastern Europe. It neighbors Russia on one hand, Ukraine, uh, Poland, and uh, Lithuania. Uh, so more made up country. <laughs> but what, what the, it, it actually... It's that kingdom that Barbie lives in in her DVDs. <laughs> And it is. You go there, it is an old princess kingdom. <laughs> it a little bit is. is. Yeah. Those Russian czar things. The <laughs> Who needs Disneyland? <laughs> Just as far. Just go to the torture chambers for a real run. <laughs> well, that stuff is also true. But, okay, so uh, it's, it's landlocked. It's sort of sandwiched between what we consider to be, what uh, used to be like, you know, the uh, the unfree world and the free world. Basically, you have on one hand Russia and you have the Western powers on the other hand. And it's always been one of those buffer countries that throughout its history, people have been fighting over, not because it has any particular resources, but because of its strategic value. Um, it's a, it's a You can march either way. So in terms of armies going on one hand, so Russia always wants to control it because they're afraid of... Uh, Western Europe marching into Russia through there and same goes uh, for the Western uh, powers where they don't want Russia to control it because Russia can come through. Still? Still. In the age of nukes. In the age of nukes. They're still worried about continental armies. You never know. Napoleon IV could rise in every minute <laughs> consolidating his power. But Dude, <laughs> you are on fire tonight. Keep taking these fucking naps. You're killing me. You're, like, you're killing me here. Having said that, nukes, <laughs> nukes are always a last resort for military conflict. So um, you could still have conventional warfare without nukes. You could. You can. And you. ever since we've got nukes, we never have really used nukes, but we have used a lot of conventional warfare. In Europe? Well, not necessarily Muskets. in Europe, but in throughout the world, if you look at the different conflicts, some of them, 
Like, look at the Cold War. They were literally fighting each other in pretty much every country that they could get their hands on, but no one fired a nuke. We came close to it a couple of times, but not but really. But that's the whole thing. They were all proxy wars. They were all between countries that didn't have nukes. Yeah, but those proxy arms. wars are also countries. And uh, and uh, what country we were talking about? Belarus. <laughs> that <laughs> is also a very, a very viable proxy area where you could have wars, just like Ukraine is. So that's actually one of the points. So okay. we'll, we'll, I'll quickly give a very brief history of Belarus because so Belarus, bo- any power that gains any kind of prominence wants to take over Belarus because of its strategic uh, value. And so Poland used to have it at one point and at some point um, the Russian Federation took control of it. And it all starts basically since the Russian Federation. When the Russian Federation uh, collapsed and the Soviets took over, uh, they've always tried to suppress any kind of Belarusian identity, which is happening till today, um, because they don't want they don't want them to they don't want Belarus to like have an independent foreign policy as such, because they Russia wants it to be under their domain. So in the, during the Russian Federation, they really suppress any kind of national identity until the the revolution, the communist revolution. When the communist revolution happened in uh, Russia. They, for the first time, encourage national identity within uh, within Belarus because, from the communist perspective, they wanted um, they wanted them to basically fight against the federation, the Russian federation. So uh, Belarus, for the first time, started having some sort of a national national identity at that point. So the communists had an alliance with the nationalists just to basically defeat the Russian federation. Yeah. Poland and all these other countries, on the other hand, were constantly trying to take over Belarus as well, but Russian Federation was too strong. When Russian Federation collapsed, then there was a fight between the the Soviets and Poland to basically uh, figure out who's going to take over Belarus. And the Soviets won that uh, war. Now, so all of a sudden, you've got the the Belarus that now, uh, for one of the very few first times, has some sort of national identity. (coughs) Belarus was basically backwaters of Europe. And people say it still is. Yeah, now it is, but not during the Soviet era. Belarus was just, it, was bas- it wasn't even literate. I think around um, uh, when the Soviets took over, the, the literacy rate in Belarus was like maybe 55% or 60%, which seems like a fair bit for that time, but compared to the rest of Europe, it was dog shit. So the Soviets basically started to, they took over, they took over Belarus and they started... Um, trying to industrialize it. And they did a pretty decent job at it. Belarus became, uh, well, this happens around the 70s, 80s, but the Soviets have industrialized Belarus a lot to the point where now Belarus is very industrialized. It has a decent literacy rate. However, it is economically very dependent on Russia. They use Russian uh, crude oil to basically fuel their industries and export some of the stuff. Russia now now what's happened is that now we come to the the guy uh, the the current dictator today he is in a very tr- uh, has been in a very tricky situation because these great powers constantly pose a threat to him he was trying to reduce his dependence from Russia and he started courting other countries like um like Mike Pompeo went there uh in his last year That's to right. say that um 
uh, how about you get crude oil mm. from us? Mm. And that pissed off Russia. Mm. Russia didn't like any of that. And uh, Belarus, the dictator was basically trying to make sure that he's not too economically dependent on one country. And he was trying to like, you know, basically put his eggs in different baskets. But that sort of backfired. It backfired because there were these protests. So, sorry, one more point. Um, one of the things that happened to reduce his uh, dependence on Russia was that he started, in, uh, he started advocating for uh, Belarusian national identity, which seems basic, but it was very revolutionary in Belarus because you weren't even allowed to teach Belarusian language in, um, in, in schools. You were only taught Russian because they didn't want... What they were trying to avoid was uh basically the, the the society being split into on one hand you've got the russian factions and on the other hand you've got the polish factions or other factions that are nato supporting or whatever so he wanted to basically uh the R russians wanted to keep it under their domain so they never mm. encouraged their national identity mm. recently the belarusian leader until literally 2020 started encouraging teaching Belarusian language at schools and he was trying to increase his options. What that did was that there were... Uh, the other thing that is happening is that Poland has become pretty affluent. Poland is... They're touting Poland to be the next country to join the first world. And that soft power was permeating into Belar Belarus. And basically that created a lot of factions within the, within the country. Belarus, unlike other, like Ukraine, for instance, has been very, very stable. And the oligarchy in Belarus wants to keep it that way. The way they see it is that we've, we've been pretty stable, we haven't had wars, and this country is, could potentially be a powder keg because of all of these different forces that would try to take over it and using different national identities to basically pursue their interests, make it a proxy, an Afghanistan-like situation where different uh, warring factions would be fighting against each other, which does not work well for the business, the oligarchy within Belarus that wants to keep having this dependence on Russia because Russia gives it subsidized oil that keeps their factories going and all of that stuff. So recently, when there were a lot of these protests, against the regime, which is very fair because the regime is very repressive. It's a very dictatorial regime. However, so is Russia. Uh, like, you know, it's, it doesn't come in a vacuum. It's, that's the what kind of... What do they do repressive? Well, you know, putting opposition leaders in jail. Uh, recently, this hijacking thing, what, what happened today was that there's this um, basically of law, it's kind of like you. Imagine you were, imagine like Australia was a dictatorship, which it is. Um, <laughs> you and you had imagine. to like, you had to move to New Zealand because you were afraid that you're going to be put into jail, which you probably might have to do pretty soon. And, I wanna be. and you were flying from New Fine. Zealand to Indonesia. What the Belarus government did was while it was flying, they sent a fighter jet and basically hijacked this plane, initially saying that there's a bomb threat on the plane and kind of forcing the pilots to land into Minsk, which is the capital of Belarus. And once it landed, they wanted to get this one uh, friendly Geordies-like character and put him in jail. From their perspective, the reason why they're doing it is, well, well, one, because they're very repressive, but also because they don't want to flare up this powder keg. Because they know if, if things get out of hand, if the current status quo goes down, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a dem democracy. What it means is you're going to have a fucking civil war. And more influence from the EU. Well, you'll have more influence from the EU as well. 
So he kind of got freaked out by this whole situation. And then he again went back and said, okay, fine, we're going to just keep siding with Russia. The, he came up with this uh, yeah, agreement with Russia saying that we're not going to like uh, we're not going to look towards EU and NATO towards any support. We're still keep giving us crude oil. But on the end and, and basically Russia was saying, OK, that's fine. Uh, we'll do that. But then you need to like kind of crack down on these dissidents. Yeah. And so make things go back to normal. And that's what's happening right now. Yeah. So on one hand, it's really bad and everything. But on the other hand, the dictator at least that's what I think. He's trying to avoid a civil war. And maybe you could argue that by uh, jailing a vlogger, you're not avoiding a civil war. But... Hey, if they jailed Franz Ferdinand, no World War One. Well, <laughs> banned, maybe, right? maybe. Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. Of course. Just clearing that up. Anyways, the, the I don't want to I don't want to go into like the the merits of whether this was good or bad. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a context behind it, and the context is that Belarus could go from a stable dictatorship, not to a free democracy, but towards a Ukraine-like situation, but even worse, because you have so you've got like um you've got. A lot of people in Belarus, contrary to popular belief, that really, really like the Russians. In fact, it was the only, one of the only countries that did a election for the Soviet Union not to collapse in, in the early 90s. Most of them wanted the Soviet Union to be there because the Soviet Union did really help them economically. Like, they industrialized and say them. what you will about the Soviet Union, they did educate their people. That's true as well. Like, they, um, they made it... They wanted Belarus to be, well, on one hand, yes, economically dependent on Russia, but they did that through mass industrializations, which did really, and literacy programs that did help Belarus, which is why till today, I would say a majority of people in Belarus would want to side with Russia. However, there's a big population, particularly in Western Belarus, that don't want that, that look at Russia as a declining force that is not being able to give them the kind of economic affluence that they want, and they're thinking that maybe West is a better way. Is it really that poor? Um, I think the average wage of a average Belarusian factory worker, which is, by the way, most of them, is $500 a month, which is low, but, yeah, but, but compared to Ukraine... Ukraine's average is $300 a month. Mm. And that's the free and fair country since the 2014 coup. So it really depends on how you look at it. Either way, there are big factions in Belarus that want to side with Poland. And then there is an even bigger faction that wants to side with Russia. And usually when you've got this kind of situation and there's a vacuum where you've gotten rid of this one dictator, you're gonna, they're going to battle it out to see who wins. Of course. And that battle is going to be bloody. Yeah. So one of the argument is that he is trying to avoid that kind of civil war. But yeah. then the other argument is that he is doing that in a very, very repressive way that discounts any kind of human right. And both of those things are true. The, even the Russian government is asking the dictator of Belarus to find a pathway for him to introduce a new constitution and eventually step aside. So no one, even Russia, is for this one dictator staying there forever because it is like a North Korea-like situation. 
But the way Russia wants to do it is that, yeah, you introduce a constitution, you have a revolving door, but you always stick by us. I doubt that Belarus is the same as North Korea. I really think that it would be a completely different society and that, like, I, look, I don't know that much about it, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's not a hermit state like that. You can go to Belarus yeah, you can and go take to Belarus. photos of the forest there. I think what they're basically trying to say is that it's also a dictatorship, which is true. And this is always their point. It's a dictatorship. Yeah, but what about the standard of living? What yeah. about it's not great. Like, rates? If you compare the standard of living to, for example, the adversary Poland, Poland is killing it. Mm. Their standard of living is much higher. But was it always? No, it recently got better, but but credit where credit is due, they're killing it. Right, right. Um and and a lot of uh Belar- Belarusian people or Belarusian people look at that and say, hey, how about we go with these guys and not Russia? But that kind of scares not only the oligarchy over there because it's uncertain what that economic future looks like, but it's also scary because there's a big population in Belarus that is not going to be for it. They, they think of themselves as Russian. And it, they've been told that they're Russian for like since they were born too. So there's a reason for it. What I'm saying is like, man, it's a little complicated. Like, it's a powder keg. This thing could go really bad. So you want an orderly transition, not haphazardly getting rid of the dictator because a few vloggers rightly so are saying that the the country is repressive. Yeah, but look at what happened when Russia disintegrated. Yeah, exactly. That was horrible. And that's just my point every time that they say these things. It's just like, look, just like these oppressive dictatorships are conditioned their population to think a certain way. So have we. That's what it's just a lot this of idea that you just slap freedom mm. on a, a country and then all of a sudden everything's fine. But That's you know, yeah. Russia's completely like honestly, Putin did rise them out of the ashes out of that. They, they were a complete. Don't so don't say that. Putin, there's he a lot of issues. That. There's a lot of issues true. with that too. Yeah, but he's why? Because look, let's not get into that debate. But however, what you're saying is is actually, I would say, a majority opinion in Belarus in the sense that they say that, okay, if you get rid of this guy, the last time that it happened was in the early 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed, and that was a net harm for us. They really liked the Soviet Union, and Soviet Union particularly made an effort to help Belarus as well. So they look at it as like, okay, here's another structure that's going to go down and it's going to be a net loss for us. So what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of people in Belarus that agree with that, that they would rather not have a revolution, so and they prefer about stability. democracy and the ideas of freedom. That's what they want. Maybe we should be listening to the populations of these countries as opposed. But the population to just going, is split. No, no, no. Uh, what you really want is uh, a bunch of American companies coming in, McDonald's. and instead of you controlling all of your resources, they do. That's freedom. But there's a, <laughs> there's a split. Not everyone in Belarus agrees with that. Of course, and that's why it's a powder agree cake. With it, that's just no one ever agrees with anything. Yeah, it's just like if it's in a majority opinion. Well, and it's, it seems like it's a huge I don't know. Opinion. I don't know if it. I would assume that it's a majority opinion, but I don't have any polling. That's actually one of the problems with dictatorships that you're you're unable to get that sort of data. I'm assuming that it is a majority opinion, but but not by a huge margin, and that's the problem. When you've got a society that's so split, 
you don't if any kind of va- political vacuum can be disastrous and that's my argument essentially so you should I just think that as soon as that dictator goes the entire country will just go into one of those free falls and end up like the Philippines it'll end mm. up like Russia was pretty It happened in Syria too like that's a that's a very recent example where we thought if we get rid of Assad everything's going to be all hunky dory it's going to be democracy but it went through its bloodiest civil war ever and you ask any Syrian today if it was worth it mm. I'd be surprised if they would say yes it was yeah so there is there is that point as well however you don't need to hijack planes to do this you know that's that's another argument which i i support that it was pretty fucked up the way they did it he literally sent a fighter jet mid air and said bring it down that's that's gangster mm. so i'm just saying that they're like they could have done it better but it's always just this thing of like people just really need to understand that politics is a numbers game you're thinking about the nation's interest not about one person's interest you know that could be endemic of something bigger but it could also just be as what you're saying it's like a greater good thing uh 460 sam is saying ali what about the election loss that the dictator had so okay so that's a point that western media says i'm not saying it's untrue but i don't know if it is true because the way it goes is 80% of the population apparently voted for the dictator and uh, 10% of the population voted for the opposition leader who now has to flee and live in um I think she lives in Lithuania. Damn it. Um, But so, and so the Western media is saying that that election was not free and fair, which is probably true. It's not free and fair, but that doesn't mean that he lost. They're trying to paint it as everyone in the population did not like the dictator, but they forged these election results. I'm saying that they did forge these election results, but that still doesn't mean that he would have lost even if it was free and fair. There's a huge population in uh, in in Belarus that really wants to side with Russia just like it's it all i think about is rwanda how they have quote unquote free and fair elections um they don't uh that is a dictatorship as well but that guy is painted as the president from a tribe that represents about 10% of the population that has won every single election since being elected that's true paul you know it just like it why are they telling you that? Well, because he sides with the imperial sides, forces. Exactly. You know, it's just... And by the way, just on that point... Like if that guy is a fly in the US's ointment, they're going to paint it as, he lost that election. And it's true. Like, you know, interestingly, mm. just before 2020, bef- when the Belarusian uh, president was trying to court Western Europe, all of a sudden, the media coverage wasn't that it's a bad dictatorship. Yeah, see? So there, there are, like, economic factors that are playing into it. Anyways, I'm sure that I've confused you even more, but what I'm saying is like just... It's an economic factor. I think it is just, as you were saying before, strategic and resource factors. Yeah. Uh, from But what I'm saying is like, look, just just go read up on this issue if you are interested. Uh, hijacking was bad, but when you look into the context of the country, you'd realize that it's the answers are not so simple. Well, every Belarusian that I have spoken to, which is about five, back in the modeling days, is <laughs> your hat. But... <laughs> They all hated him. <laughs> and it suddenly hit me after a while that it was just like, well, they'd all be from the middle class. Mm. The middle class is always going to hate that guy. Of course they Yeah, do. there are sections that hate him, particularly the ones that live in uh, Minsk or Western Belarus. They don't like him. And if, look, if they're like flying around uh, being models, they probably belong to a 
group of people that are not fan but i would be you go to like eastern belarus and ask a factory worker what do you reckon you might have a different answer yeah but i think that's what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah i i completely concur yeah um yeah it's like look i'm just always extremely hesitant of whatever the press narrative is about anything mm. i really think that if the press is saying something you should err on the side that the exact opposite is true. Yeah. I, well, what I say is like, look, the press is only telling you one side of the story. They are telling you what our interests are, and that's cool. We have certain economic interests too as being from the Western world. But if you really want to understand what's happening, then just look more into it. You will find different opinions on this issue as well. But having said that, no opinion, well, maybe like most opinions would not be for hijacking. So like I said... No one is pro-hijacking and jailing dissidents and opposition leaders. Anyways, uh, let's move on to a less crazy topic. Why do you think constitutional monarchies are better than democracies? <laughs> I'm sick of you having reign of this one. It's constitutional uh, monarchies on Wednesdays and the other one on Thursdays. There I said it. No, it had to be said. No, I'm sorry. Miss Love, come back. Surely we can sort this out. See, this is the problem with democracy. Everyone gets a voice. <laughs> <laughs> you have held me back long enough. Um, All right, I'm getting some tea. Uh, Ali, you just talk about uh, why you like Pink Floyd for the next couple of minutes. Where? Hey, I mean, uh, something I can fucking they're the only ones that are bringing down the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where the great. fuck did you guys fuck off? I really want to know what you're reading because Jordan's been reading this book. Hold up. No, I'm just getting some tea. I'm not, I'm not running away. Isn't this the nerdiest thing you've ever seen? What? This book where Jordan is reading. Yeah, dude. Like, come on. So the, the fact that this book exists shows how truly impressive Rome was. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Hold it up that for there's me. There's a book about public opinion and politics in the late Roman Republic. This is an ancient society and we have enough information to... Like, what, they're talking about a 50-year period in yeah. this, on this really niche subject. It is pretty... Like, God, I like, I, I just can't give them enough kudos. To quote yeah. Marge, I just think they're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you know... That's very sweet of you. So what's what's this what's this about? Why are why is it better? What are the strong points? Give us a brief of what oh, you've been thinking about. This is just an alternate history that I was reading about that was saying in World War One, I, I can't remember the monarch's name because you know, don't quote me on like the the specifics of this. I'm just going to give you the general argument. Slim Jim. Slim Jim Fanton the first. That's Miss Love's contribution. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that, Miss Love. Sorry, uh, no wonder I didn't forget it. It's, it's just such a long name, these Austrians. <laughs> you know, they, they have a nice Anglo name, Jim. Jim. Uh, yeah, so Slim Jim, pretty much, he was working out before the US entered a peace deal between the competing uh, powers in World War One, and apparently it was all going ahead and the war was going to end years before it actually did end and then the US decided, oh no, hang on, we can sell a lot of weapons in this conflict and we can gain a lot of power and influence in Europe if we just sweep in. So they prolonged the war. 
Whereas the constitutional monarchs, because none of them wanted to be fighting, they all knew each other, and obviously it was their backyard. It was having obviously it was World War One. I'll I'll give you this right. Like it may have been a little bit better if it wasn't happening, and so <laughs> they he was just coming between all of them, hammering out a deal that was going to save face for the Germans, for the British, for the French, and they were all on board with it. They were just kind of figuring out the details. Then the US swept in, the war was prolonged, millions more people died, and then the US had influence in European politics. And then they started pushing this notion of democracy. Why did they want influence in that? Why did they because like before that, democracy was pretty much an unknown, unheard of thing, really. There was a few countries on earth that were democratic. Uh, all of a sudden, this was all the rage. Wait, when was this? World War One. World War One. Okay. Uh, this was all the rage, and he's just arguing that the reason that they wanted democracies is the same thing that I'm always talking about. It's just easy to corrupt them. It's easy to gain influence and to get what you want as a foreign power in that country. Whereas if you have something like a constitutional monarch network, uh, sorry, not a constitutional, absolute monarch network, whatever, like a monarchy, um, if you have a monarchic network in there uh there is an established power base that is there uh you have channels of communication like you do uh like you did have in europe and those things just break down uh as soon as you include all of these things and that's kind of phase one of how an empire like the u.s works is that they realize oh if we make all of these countries democratic we can run an empire behind the scenes we don't really have to have a military presence there we can and they do but they can also just control a puppet who runs that country that was a lot harder beforehand when and like it would have been better for europe and the other thing that they were saying is if you had that constitutional monarchy in you wouldn't have had all of these radical ideas like communism and nazism running through and then you wouldn't have a world war ii uh europe would be in much better shape than it is today it really was an eu before that mm. you know mm. like it, all of these things have made europe a lot worse like having a second world war was not good for europe mm. uh the cold war wouldn't have happened so you're saying democracy the idea of democracy is that what you're saying the idea of democracy as he's arguing and i'm just I'm really down this rabbit hole now where I'm just realising, no, I've just been conditioned to think that this is the best form of government. And when I kind of argue with people about it, they just go, well, as Winston Churchill says, you know, democracy is the worst form of government apart from all the others. Oh, well, that's a nice little Oscar Wilde-esque quip, but I don't really think that that's true anymore. I think that there's numerous different little levels of politics and, like, other ways of controlling a country... And say something like China, for instance, when people say, it's a dictatorship. As you know, that is a really gross simplification of how China works. Mm. It really is one of the most impressive governments, if not the Panthera, most impressive government. It doesn't make them amazing, but you're, we're basically just talking about the efficiency. We're talking about the efficiency here, and we're also just saying, like, I honestly think that the reason that we're so pro-democracy is because we've been conditioned. And really, when you push someone i'd like to be convinced otherwise but honestly every time that i do you get very simplistic answers like everyone has a say 
if everyone had a say, I really don't think that Scott Morrison and Gladys Berejiklian would be leaders in Australia today. Dude, think about this. What if Scott Morrison becomes the fucking monarch? That would suck balls, man. At least we have hope right now. Yeah, but I'm saying that if it was like a pre-World War One scenario, Scott Morrison would not be the monarch. Well, Scott Morrison is a puppet for the US. Mm. He serves their interests down the line and of huge detriment to our own. He's completely like just destroyed trade <laughs> in this country. So what like, you're basically saying is that democracies are really volatile. I think that they are designed to keep an oligarchy in power for as long as possible. And they do that very, very well. But what does and the alternative look like? Because I, okay, I agree with you. In the sense that, look, the Chinese system, whatever, is great, but I think it's great for them. I personally don't think it's great for us. Why? Yeah, because uh, look, we're imagine not, we're like not... telling our like Chinese do really fucked up, like not fucked up shit when they want to get something done. Like right now, they're building the biggest dam in the world, which is on the fucking highest mountain in the. It's one of the most un, insane kind of uh, infrastructure project. However, and. And they're able to do it because they can kind of muscle their way through. With us, I don't know if our population, all of us would be on board for like... There's a lot of reasons why China... We, we're, I don't know. All I, uh, we're to, not to, that to, passive to, is what I'm saying. To like, counter that, I'm just going to quote the Chinese restaurant owner in Lithgow <laughs> who said during the bushfires there will be no bushfire in china they would say everyone get bucket and put out fire but there's a reason that's they a can, better system but there's a reason they can do that what there's, there's well, a lot of their, their population like like i they're said they're racially like, uh they're, homogenous this is cultural no, we're, we're racially but homogenous too, set up but a system of government where okay you can not like uh you know the fact that they have dictators or whatever, but like, like those dictators have to go through a rigorous vetting process to even get to the position where they're dictators. Like you, know, you have to start out as a block organizer there. Okay. That's the base level entry into politics. You actually have to have experience to get to where you are. Whereas here, you get fucking John Barillaro and he stays in for a decade and he'll probably stay in for more. That and is he's true. He's the dumbest cunt... In the like again, like in China, there is no way that a deputy premier of one of their states, their highest education level, would be a cert four that they didn't complete. Mm. But what he's maybe, saying maybe, is, maybe it's that's not just transferable like that. It's not just like. Are you saying that we can elect a king? Like, well, how does no, look, that work? I, it's my point that I'm saying, which is that you think that you want more democracy. I don't think that you do. That is what crippled. Rome, and that's what moved into it being an imperial power, is that the whole point of a democracy is to just create all of these checks and balances so that the oligarchy can just influence it at any level and just stop one fulcrum there, and if that fails, and they've got another fulcrum that they can pull to get their way. Whereas, as I'm always using as a prime setup example, at least get rid of the Senate. Can we just democratize it to that level? We don't need two parliaments. I agree. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, like we can at go the board very with least, well, there's we can things go. that you can do. And the thing is, like, uh, this might be different different with this audience because they are actually politically engaged. But most people aren't politically engaged. Most people, 
shouldn't really be in control of a democracy. A lot of the time when I speak to people about uh, politics, you know what a usual response of people that isn't this audience? It's too much thinking. I'm sure Scott Morrison's doing a good job. He's just had a hard run. It's, they don't want to be involved in it. Okay, what For do the you... average punter on the street, what do they want? They want services. And what do you get under a Liberal government? You have a system of bureaucracy that is, thanks to the Stig actually, he's been giving me a lot of notes on this. The Stig. You, you have a bureaucracy that is being uh, hollowed out from the inside. And what's the next stage after that? You get a country like Pakistan. Really, what divides a third world nation from a first world nation hey, 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 is the hey, bureaucracy. Hey. But you <laughs> say it all the time. No, no, like, I, dude, kidding, I honestly think Imran Khan, I think that if he had a competent bureaucracy in his pocket, he could be known Actually, as one of the greatest leaders of the 21st he makes century. A, he makes a very similar point from you. and and But except that he doesn't say that like me as king. He said, because Pakistan's uh, political system is exactly like uh, Australia's, like it's the Westminster democratic system. And he says that we need to move towards a presidential system where you need to centralize authority a little bit more because See? my hands are tied. So you could potentially argue that for Australia, that if we move towards a presidential system, maybe we could uh, we could avoid some of these uh, the, some of the volatility that exists within the structure. Yeah, I think that something that I'm coming to a conclusion to, and I hate labels, I don't even like using words like monarchy and democracy, but all I'm saying is I think China is a lot more democratic than you think it is, and I think we're a lot less democratic than you think we are. That's it's, true, but we, we should still right. make it make the point clear that we are less democratic than, we, than uh, you think we are, and China is more democratic. However, we are still more democratic than China, and that needs to be said. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. We, we still are. But which one gets better results? Well, that's a different point altogether. But there are other factors to that, but yeah. You, there is other factors yeah. to it, that's true. That's but all I'm like saying. The system of government that they have set up is truly impressive. But I, I still say for them, look, it, it's the same argument that a lot of these Western uh, uh, intellectuals make. Like you, you, When they say, like, oh, democracy should be everywhere, and then rational people go like, it's not a one fit policy for everyone. Every place is different. And that is true as well. Like you can't just tell China to be democratic. They have their own system and has developed over thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. However, we also have our own system that has developed over a long period of time as well. And I think we can't just adopt another system altogether. No, we can't adopt another system altogether. That's true. But look, the more that I've been reading about the late Roman Republic, the more you realize this, this is just history repeating itself. Like we are on a decline and what has happened with the bureaucracy in this country, thanks to a democratically elected government, that's not going to be fixed ever. The culture has been changed. The uh, you're talking about millions of years of experience of how to run the government that has just been purged. Collectively, all of these experts that have just been completely outsourced to the private sector, this is not going to be fixed. The Labor Party might be able to put the manpower into these institutions so that they can run at some level, but they're not going to be running at the same level that they once did because you don't have those experienced bureaucrats teaching other bureaucrats how to be experienced. I'll give you another example. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a bureaucrat. I can't use any names. Um, but he had the opportunity to go up and be a senior bureaucrat 
but he's in middle management and he's in middle management by choice because he knows that if he goes up to senior bureaucracy he's just answerable to the minister and all they do is implement exactly what the minister wants what does the minister want he wants exactly what the consultants want he wants what that private bureaucracy wants and everything that they want is fucked. Really, he is just saying that all we have become is publicly funded implementers of a private company's wishes. That's what the Liberals have done. And when right. he's in middle management, he can win some of the victories. That is a sad state that of is, affairs. That is pretty brutal. That is not what is happening in China. It's no definitely way. not an optimal system. That is true. But that anyways, is... we are out of time. Are we? Well, yeah, we can still go on for like five more minutes, but... I'm How just too afraid of this talk. Uh, nah, <laughs> Why? Don't be freaked. Who gives a sh- Come on, like Christ. Freedom of speech, think? mate. Look uh, it you, up. You, you can look it through. You can look through here. Miss Love, entertain the audience while Jordan goes through some of the comments. I haven't read uh, them. Okay. Well, I've got a question. How the fuck are you reading this? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Let me just read a paragraph. Problems could arise when the audience was already won over by the opponents. In this case, Cicero advised firstly to dismantle the argument that had captivated the people. Expressing perplexity and astonishment was another option, mixed with doubts about which part part of the speech to attack first. This self-reliance would impress the listeners. Quintilian also worried about a judge won over by public opinion. He therefore suggested two ways to destroy destroy those preconceived ideas. Number one, fuck me. I think we've got a new Bible. What's the? We're gonna have to start reading from that instead of curly. This love's gonna kill himself. What's the audience's? Because you read through some of the comments. What are their takes on this? (laughs) I don't know. It seems like they're kind of on board. Yeah, but this is a Twitch audience. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I just said last last point. Moving on from this, there's a Twitch controversy. Apparently, uh, the Twitch guidelines say this is not related to anything, but the Twitch guidelines said that there can't be any nudity. However, you can wear a bathing suit in a setting that is conducive. Like if you're at a beach, you can wear a bathing suit, but you can't just sit in your room and uh, be in a bathing suit. So what a lot of these, uh, I'm guessing Twitch thoughts, Mm, thoughts came up to the thoughts. Came okay. up to the uh, wait. Sorry, I, I'm. Anyways, I don't know what it's they called. They came up to the Facts. conclusion. I don't know what they that called. they can just sit in a hot tub because you're supposed to be wearing a bathing suit in a hot tub and do their streams. And that was getting very popular until Twitch demonetized the biggest hot tub uh, <laughs> Twitcher. <laughs> you're kidding. Yeah, and so now there's this whole thing of like, uh, without even informing her, so there's this controversy. There are some Twitch Twitchers, I don't know if that's the term, that say good because it was just getting a bit out of hand. These are just like, this is only, this basically only fans and this, it's not supposed to be like that. And then there's others that are saying, well, it's still like suppression of expression. And, Come on, and it's a good thing. They've got only fans. Not everything has to have tits and ass in it. Everything. Like, yeah, but Twitch does. Huh? Twitch needs that. Does it? Well, how else are they going to survive? I'm just really saying, guys, you've really dropped the ball. How have you demonetized that and not demonetized this pod? <laughs> <laughs> you really have to step your game up here. Panthera. Uh, no, that is... Uh, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Maybe that's the... Can't there be a Twitch that's called, like, Twitch, public opinion and politics in the late Roman Twitch? And it's just like you're only allowed to read... Like, like you're allowed to read this, and if someone says but, it just goes... And then some like Twitch playing come and go, oi, 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 and they knock you ahead with like a baton. That's a better world. 
<laughs> See, this is what this whole podcast was about. Imagining a better world. <laughs> but I think one of the other one of the oi, 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 One of the other problems oof. was that <laughs> Right. <laughs> who said bottom? Who did? Well, I'm gonna knock your bottom now, I am. <laughs> uh, the other part was like how Twitch never communicated that these concerns to her before demonetizing her. Apparently well, that's very cheap. They just went straight up and did it. And then there were the, the other point of view was that yeah, they did that to her, but how many people got saved? So now all of these hot tub streamers now know that it's not okay. Yeah, look at that. See, it's the same situation in Belarus. <laughs> same situation same in Belarus. It is the same message. It is exactly the same situation. Yeah, you're right. Pretty much. Like, I understand why. I always was wondering why are nerds so obsessed with these little demonetization laws? That is it. They're just... They're metaphors for, like, the world. They're metaphors for Belarus, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're not wrong. Jordan, I mean, respond to this. One of the comments was, uh, Jordy's has been uh, brainwashed by Chomsky. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> look at how I dress. <laughs> Christ's sake. <laughs> look, uh, do I need to defend the point? Yeah, true. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'll tell you this, though. I'm getting deprogrammed by Chomsky and getting reprogrammed by Parenti. Michael Parenti. Mm. Yeah, he's getting... He's so you're going down the line. So you're going more extreme. extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, that, that's the one that, you know, really got banished by the media. Fuck. That's the new model for me. Do you know Pastrami who else? Pastrami Chamsky. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, John Pilger was recently... I was watching one of his interviews and he was talking about a lot of woke shit too. Who? Was well, he? sorry, not non-woke shit. Not the, the, that definitely one, not the woke shit. Thing. He was he was yeah. talking about like how he was basically siding with China <laughs> straight up. Yeah, he's he's into that. Hey, he really does like Camus it. The only thing that I don't like about him is he also gives the Labor Party a hard time. Can't you just come on? Yeah, like, they also say. You know, I didn't even know he was Australian. Who? What did you think he was? I well, I've never like I I've only read him, so I didn't know until recently when I saw him in an interview that oh shit, he is Australian. You should know that just by looking at his face because that is a man that should have spent his entire life in Byron Bay just by a weird True. fluke. True. Yeah, went to Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His family vote, his family votes nationals, but he went really opposite because he hated it. Camus seventy seven knows us too well. Just said. Order, this is just telling us what to do. Order your Uber Eats for the up late now. What are you having? <laughs> Funny hey, story. Yeah. Hey. Funny story. We He's already, already done did. Pre-ordered. And we're having halal snack packs. Mine won't be halal, but uh, <laughs> I made a specific thing of like, I want my cow to be slaughtered face in the bloody west, not the east. <laughs> uh, but yeah. We're yeah. all having a healthy fucking... Even this guy. This guy, I don't eat meat. No, I never eat meat. Halal snack pack for him as well. He is probably I mean, the best. Snack pack. Jordan's diet is pretty cool. That he is basically a vegetarian, except when he, goes hard. he wants to eat meat. Yeah, it fucks me over because like I just don't... I just eat okay. And he's like, all you can eat pizza hut tonight. I'm like... If I can pack but that then, on top of a kebab, but I'll yeah, try. Yeah, but he's uh, been look, having fat salad. on crack. Nah, you, you're off the you're off the favoured list. Why? Nah, that's done. What happened? Why? It's pathetic how much of Jordan's opinions are direct copies of Chomsky. Noam Chomsky would not be advocating going back to monarchies. <laughs> <laughs> Noam Chomsky is an anarchist, and also. Not the worst person to be brainwashed by. Like, he is yeah, a I very respectable individual. Jordan yeah. is the modern Jean-Paul Marat. 
Mara, who's that? Well, I don't know who that is. So thank you very much. That's very nice of you. Tenty said John Paul Jones. Um, look, I think we've done pretty well. I think we've covered everything from Belarus to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that covers the entire world. <laughs> it's one small step for geography. One giant leap. Well, it's not even that much of a giant leap politically. No, it's not. It's a leap for for uh for some for, for policy. Yeah, we talked to about a certain degree. We talked about Pakistan a little bit too, so we've covered the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. All right, do you want to guys you guys want to say goodbyes? Good uh, goodbye everyone except Fat Dyke on Crack. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed your company today. Thank you so much for making just 85% of the comments paying us out. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Wait a sec. Jean-Paul Marat was a radical journalist during the French Revolution. Mm, interesting. That's pretty good. Yeah. You're walking around with a bloody wig on, eating soft cheese, I assume. I don't like the cheese part, but I do like the, the wig. wigs. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week. Oh, come on. You'll see us next week 100%, but we'll say way sketchier shit. <laughs> Bye. Sign up see to the up late. Oh, yeah. yeah sign, sign up, up to the up late. Thank you.